discipline in your money really translates to other areas of your life. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and along with that kind of Doug led into it is we really tried to give our kids ownership of things. Hello and welcome to the Kim Peak Show. I am so glad you're here. We have a great episode for you and I want to introduce my co, uh, co-host co today, Doug Peak, my husband. Hey, honey. Hello, lovely lady. <laughs> he is always putting in the deposits when he's on <laughs> the podcast. Every opportunity, you I'll, should take it. I, I will, although you talk to me at home sometime like that as well with excitement that you're excited to be married to me and it's awesome. Sweet. So I'm excited to be married to you too. And today I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. So the Kim Peak Show is all about helping you as a woman thrive in your faith, your family, and your work. Today we're going to focus on family. We're going to focus on your kids specifically and teaching them about money. So what Doug Mm -hmm. and I found, and I guess I don't know that you would agree with this. I know you would think it's very important to teach kids about money. Mm -hmm. But what I feel like is that teaching and raising our kids with good principles of faith and money were two of the most important things we did to yes, life did skills for life them. Skills. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the whole pur- point and purpose of faith is that kids must be given a uh, context in which to discover their identity. And the main reason why that suicide, suicide attempts, anxiety, depression are off the charts in the younger generations today is because we've robbed them of faith. We've tried to establish a secular society, which is impossible. There's never existed a secular society. And that's the problem of not studying history is that people make these massive mistakes, these assumptions, oh, we can develop this. And it's like, whoa, has that ever happened in 7,000 years of recorded human history? Well, no. Well, what arrogance it is to think that we can do something that no generation has ever done before. And I think that's what our society has done. And it has robbed people and families, uh, particularly the ability to give their kids a platform to discover their identity, to launch them. Yeah. And that's the power of faith. And the biggest thing that messes so many people up and puts them into bondage is money mismanagement money mismanagement exactly and i remember uh from the the when we were first married you would talk about the highest percentage of arguments between husbands and wives is about money yeah it's always about money because money is the catalyst that brings out all of the issues of control and power within the relationship. Right. And so, so it's a catalyst right. and all of these other unresolved issues always seem to, to get focused on that. And so really, I mean, the first principle in, in helping your kids with their money management is for you as a couple, or if you're a single mom to have your financial world in order so that you can teach them. But we always talk about the news of today, the news in the world and how it affects your world, right? Mm-hmm. And how you can have meaningful um, use of this news so that you can grow in your life and today uh, help your kids grow in theirs. And I wanted to talk about a couple of stats that I actually found um, astounding. The first is about millennials. So what I'm doing is looking at the younger generations, looking at a couple of stats related to 
financial matters overall in these generations, because we are talking about our kids and, and your kids as you're raising them is the next generation. But I found this astounding. Listen to this. More than 70% of millennials have some form of non-mortgage debt with the average mm. millennial owing $117,000. The average millennial owes yeah. $117,000? Yeah. That is unbelievable. I know. I, I found that really unbelievable. Um, and, and what was also interesting is they were pretty optimistic. They thought they could get out of that debt within five years, most of them. So I don't know what all that is about. But what I do know is that's a lot of debt. Yes, right? that's a lot of debt. So um, another stat, and these are from 2022, these stats is that 43, over 43 million people have federal student loan debt from college. 43 million and people. And the average um, debt is between 32 and 37, excuse me, 32 and $37,000, depending on if it was from public or private school. Doug, what do you think of those stats? Well, it's pretty remarkable. And I think that one of the things that is really important to understand is that the reason the Bible teaches you to avoid debt is because it is teaching you to avoid indentured servanthood. Right. It, yeah. It, it, it runs you instead of you running your money. That's right. And that is, is that the first way to take away your freedom of choice of what you're going to do for a living is get into debt. Exactly. The next thing is the, take away your freedom to choose when you want to work, get into debt. You know, the way to choose, uh, uh, take away the freedom to choose where you want to live, get into debt. Take away your freedom to choose who you want to date, get into debt. These things are unequivocally true. And debt influences and affects every single decision in your life and your quality of life. So the most important thing you have to do is avoid debt at all costs. And when you get into debt, liquidate that debt as quickly as possible. Uh, put together a plan. Dave Ramsey has a great process to he do does. that. He does. And jump on board and do his. But you're going to have to really knuckle down, tighten that belt, and take care of it. Because freedom will not happen. Freedom to choose who you want to date, uh, where you want to live, uh, what, you, what your diet's going to be, where you want to work, how you want to work, what you want to do for work. All of those things will be taken away from you if you're in debt. Uh, my favorite sentence you just said was avoid debt at all costs. <laughs> oh, pun intended. Ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but it's kind of literally true as well. So again, what we want to talk about are some of the principles we raised our kids with. And what I want to point out about these is that these aren't hard and fast rules. Some of them, right? You don't have to do it the way Doug and I did it. What you do need to do is have a solid foundation of how you want to teach your kids so that they will be ready to launch when they are adults and have a, you know, rock solid foundation that they know they don't want to get into debt. Yes. And that's probably one thing we said more than ever to our kids yes. is we talk to them about not getting into debt. So really the first thing you can do to help your kids have a great financial future is to share your solid financial footing with them and for them to see that. And really, as Doug said, it's to stay out of debt or to get out of debt. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for them to know that when we started raising our kids, one of the phrases they probably heard more than anything else about money is no debt, no debt. When we started talking about college, no debt, no debt. And it all started when they were young. And you know, I have read 50 different ways 
to do allowance with your kids. And so I think there's a lot of ways that can be effective. Um, but what's important is to have a system. And our system included giving to God a tithe, number mm-hmm. two, saving, and number three, having spending money. And one of the greatest things about this early on was when they were, I don't know, around 10, 11, our kids, and one of our kids who spent their money as soon as they got it, saw the other kid that had saved up for a big toy go and buy that toy. And what was great is the kid that bought the toy felt really good about saving that money and getting that toy. But just as great was the kid that did not save up their money. And you could just see the wheels Wheels turning turning that they realized, I don't even know where all my money went. And here their sibling has bought this great toy. Do you remember that, Doug? Yes, I do. And I think one of the things is that, that the the child that didn't save up, you know, is like, what's well, not fair and I didn't get this. <laughs> and then if you're a parent and you go, oh, I'm so sorry and I'll get you something too. You just totally undermine the whole educational experience because right. what you're trying to do is get them to understand valuation and how saving uh, is critical. This is called impulse control. The most (laughs) important thing that you will teach children is how to control their impulses. Because if you don't, their impulses will control them when they're teenagers. Exactly. And then they'll kind of control your Because when their impulses, when they hit teenagers, they are fueled by hormones and those impulses are very strong. Well, I think that's a really good point because discipline in your money really translates to other areas of your life. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and along with that kind of Doug led into it is we really tried to give our kids ownership of things. And so I remember, this is just an example. When my daughter was in high school, she thought all the designer jeans were really cool. Well, obviously those designer jeans Mm -hmm. had a designer price with them. Right. And so what I would do is I would tell her how much I would pay for a pair of jeans. And then she would have to spend uh the rest to to get to pay the rest of the price how to get or she'd have to earn it now for her we had a a a little boy at that time that she could babysit so she spent a lot of hours trying to earn enough money for that pair of jeans well you know what happened over time she looked at her time doing that babysitting and was it really worth it for just a pair of jeans, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But that's one way we gave her ownership and and they had ownership in what they spent money on. And Doug, I'm going to ask you if you have any other examples um, of how we gave our kids ownership as we were raising them in regards to money. Well, I, one of the funniest things about it, I think a, a funny story is that we, we kind of, we had the exact same principles and the exact same concepts, but we approached it from two totally different directions. And that is, uh, when our kids became teenagers and they would do this is I, I sometimes, you know, my daughter, my son, my two oldest, and then my youngest son, they'd come to me and they'd say, Hey dad, I'm thinking about, um, I want to get these jeans or my son would say, Hey, I want to get this thing, you know, for my vehicle or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I would say, well, you need to work out the details with your mom. 
And sometimes I would walk by and this is the conversation I'd hear between my <laughs> wife and my daughter. My daughter would say, well, but you were going to give me, you know, $8 for lunch money this week. And then my wife would say, yeah, but you took $3 and 22 cents of that in order to buy that, uh, that Gordito at Taco Bell. Yeah. But then I did babysat and I got $11 and 59 cents for that. <laughs> and then my wife would say, yeah. And I also owe you $19 and 82 cents for you doing this over here. Yeah. And, but I also owe you $6 and 92 cents. And I'm sitting there going, what in the Sam Hill are they talking about? <laughs> and then at the end of this conversation of going back and forth, then they would both come to this conclusion. And then my daughter and my wife would say, okay, so that basically means I owe you, I'd pay $40 for a pair of jeans. Plus I owe you $16 and 22 cents that you can use towards that. And then my daughter would go, okay, and I can come up with this amount. Da, da, da. And I'm like, man, no wonder you guys are all so good at math because you lost me at the very first thing, okay. right? <laughs> I was okay. out of the conversation. I do want to say to a degree that's true, but I also feel like you added a little hyperbole into that. No. No, you'd never no. do that. But my kids would but come to me and they go, important. dad, I need lunch money. And I'd, you know, say, well, here's 10 bucks, you know, <laughs> and it's like, I, I, and I don't even ask for the change back kind of a thing. And my wife though, she was, that's why I'd always say, work it out with your mom. And what, what that has done is this is it's just phenomenal because we went on a trip to Europe and at that time, my two oldest children were in college and we would go and we would pay for something and you're paying in a foreign currency. So the first thing you have to do to determine valuation is you have to ask yourself, what's the exchange rate so that I can have a sense of, well, what is this hotel room or this experience or this food? What does it actually cost? Cause I don't know. I don't usually purchase things in foreign currency. Yeah. So you have to, you have to, uh, convert it in your head and then you have to try to add value to it. And guess what would happen? I quit asking and doing this in my head, I would just ask my kids, my two oldest, I'd say, is it worth it? And they would go, well, the conversion rate is such and such. And then if you flip it over here and it actually, if you want this upgraded thing, that's actually, you're only spending about $2 more and the experience that you're getting or the value that you're getting is 80% more. So it's a better deal to do this and da, da, da. And I was just like amazed at how quick they can make decisions based on valuation. Right. And, and yeah. it was unbelievable to well, me. Well, and you know, Sometimes it did get tedious going to the penny, right? And maybe yeah. I wouldn't have had to do that. But no, you should I have. Did my, that's feel my point. Like it really taught them the value exactly. of money. It and teaches that's you the what value of money and what, and what money can do. Yeah. And I'm just saying that I think that was the best thing is that sometimes you'd even put it in ledgers of, yeah. and you would show them and they could see and compare back and forth. And what that did is it taught them the value of money. And yeah. so that when we had to go and make valuation judgments, I trusted their judgment so quickly that they could do this in their head so fast. Yeah. So being good at money is one of the biggest gifts you will ever give your children it and is. allow them to navigate life. So the, the other thing I realized that people struggle with as adults is not only do they may have struggle making good decisions with money, but they get so emotionally involved. Oh yeah. And because of the way you did it, you taught them how to think about money, talk about money, engage with money in a non-emotional way. Well, and that's that you really did a lot there too. I like what you said, talk about money in a non-emotional way. And I think that is 
critical. So you've got to have those conversations. How many times do we hear that money wasn't talked about for kids Mm -hmm. growing up and then they grow up and they have no idea how to handle money. They have no idea what to do. And so it's easy to get in debt at that point. Mm -hmm. And you are emotional about money, right? You gotta, you have to work that out. Money to meet emotional needs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and one thing is that when our kids were young, I stayed home for the most part. I had a couple of side hustles, but for the most part, I stayed home. So we didn't have a big income, right? Correct. And so we really lived frugally. We actually lived more frugally then than we do now uh, with the past um, several years that I've been working, right? Correct. But it was really good for our kids to see us live frugally. Right. That's a really good thing because what it teaches is that you don't need a lot of money to have fun, to do well, to have a good life. And I think that was really important. What do you think? Absolutely. I think one of the things is that when you talk about the budget in front of your kids, when you talk about money and you talk about allowances, you know, you have to realize your kids don't get this in a semester course at school and they're not going to get it from you with with three or four conversations. What they do is they see you model it over the course of 15 to 18 years of their life. And that's how they learn the most. Right is they see you, you exemplify it. And that's why I think living frugally and being willing to say, we can't afford it. You know, we just can't afford it. I mean, oftentimes we talk about stuff around the dinner table and you would say, Hey, we want to do such and such, or we want to do such and such. And we go, well, can we afford it? Nope. I guess not. Okay. Well, we can't do that. Right. Those conversations are really important to have your kids a part of because then they're going, Oh, okay. Cause they're learning how money works. And not that you have to tell them how much you make and every penny where it goes, Correct. but the principles of it. Right. And, and, you know, we have this much to spend on eating out this month or whatever you want to say and have them help you um, work that out sometimes. Mm -hmm. So a couple more examples as they got older. Um, So yeah, Kinsey, a lot of those conversations that Doug talked about were about clothes, not just jeans, but clothes, right? In general. Um, and, And she cared much more about clothes then our older son is acted, which is yes. fine. I mean, he basically lived in t-shirts, athletic shorts, shorts, athletic shorts, and cargo shorts sometimes yeah. to, to dress up. Cargo yeah, that's shorts. all he had his entire wardrobe because he was yeah. playing football yeah. and he was lifting. And he just didn't care as much. He didn't care as much. He cared about yeah. other things. But Kinsey really cared about her wardrobe, which was that was great too. And so what I would do a couple times a year is have her go through her closet pull out what didn't fit anymore and make a list of what she wanted. Then I would give her a budget and then she'd have to break it down and show me what she spent. And she actually brought me the receipts because for her, I was just teaching her the discipline, right? I mean, did I really want to see those receipts? Did I really care about going penny by penny? It wasn't for me, right? But it was for her and it taught her about budgeting. And that was really, you know, really great. Um, what's an example as far as Zach teaching him about money, since it definitely wasn't around his clothes? Well, when he was in college, he had an old pickup truck and he began, you know, the front end began having trouble. And so uh, he was like, hey, dad, uh, I think I need to do something about, you know, my oh, truck right. has got a problem. Right. And so what I did is I said, okay, well, the first thing you do is you go down to the 
uh, mechanic shop, you know, Get like a Les Schwab yeah. or something like that. And you ask them to diagnose the problem and then ask for an estimate. So he goes down there and they say, well, your ball joints have gone bad. You need an alignment. It's going to cost you a thousand dollars. And he says, he comes back to me and he goes, oh my goodness, I don't have a thousand dollars. And so I go, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I don't know. Is it possible to fix it? And I said, well, let's get on there. The parts for his truck were a hundred bucks. So he's like, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars for them to install a hundred dollars worth of parts. I said, okay, we'll order the hundred dollars worth of parts, watch a couple YouTube videos. And then you know what we'll do is we will fix your truck. So we took a weekend and we did that. We fixed his truck and he had to spend another $60 for an alignment once we got it there. And that helped him understand valuation. And what it did is it, it helped him understand, do I want to spend my time uh, saving money by fixing it myself? Or do I want to spend my time sharpening my saw, so to speak, getting more skills so I can increase my earning power so that I can pay somebody to do this for me, Right. you know, kind of a thing or sell this truck and buy one that's in better shape. It's not as old. So we started to learn that, uh, as a principle. I think the other thing that our kids really benefited from is every family's different. Um, in our family, because of the way we were structured, we both have a lot of emphasis on education. I have a doctorate, you have a master's. And so we used to tell our kids this, said, you need to plan on going to college and you need to figure out how to pay for it. And a lot of people are like, you mean you expected your kids to go to college and they would have to pay for it? Yes, absolutely. And so that's what we did, but what we didn't tell them, and I don't know if this is, uh, yeah, if this I don't is know if honest. this is the best decision or, I mean, well, I don't but know. what we did is we said, we're going to tell them that they have to pay for it so that they have to really, um, come up with the money to do it. Well, but the, if and they also, fall short, yeah. we'll figure out a way yep. to make up the gap. You right. know, we will pay for it, but we're not going to tell them that until they get there. And this is what happened is when they were seniors in high school, my wife found, you found so many scholarships that they could apply to. I was flabbergasted the amount of scholarships, but the, a lot of them are scholarships of like $250, $400, $600, you know, but basically what you did is you said, well, if you apply for these scholarships, you can make $300 for applying for the scholarship. Well, what most people don't know is like five people will apply for it. And what you have to do is you usually fill out the form, which takes about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then you have to write an essay, right? And the essay can take you an hour to write. So in an hour and a half of work, you can make $300. How many people do you know make $300 an hour? Lawyers and doctors, well, right? Yeah, and so yeah. but what was so interesting is that when they were uh, seniors in high school, you were frustrated because it was like getting them to apply for these scholarships is driving me nuts. It's like squeezing blood out of a turnip. They won't yep. do it. Yep. But then they went off to that first year of school and they lived lean. Remember they had to live well, really and lean. That was we one didn't... of the points I wanted to bring up is really one of the greatest things was hearing them both say at different times, you know, I'm a poor college student. Yeah. And were they poor? They were not poor. Right. I mean, and if they had an issue, we were there to help them when needed. But for them to experience that going out on their own. Yes. And we did, you know, we helped them with their college. We Correct. definitely did. But they had such ownership. Yeah. But not a lot. They, they did the majority of it themselves. Yeah. And they they did. They lived lean. But, yes. but the other thing that happened too is when they, but after their freshman year, 
they would apply for scholarships yeah. like nobody's business yeah. because they had learned, man, I can work an hour and a half and I can make $250, $300, $600, or I can work at a job at back then they were making 10 bucks an hour. Right. right. So yeah. man, I would have to work 30 or 40 hours to make that amount of money. Yeah. And so for them, they understood the connection between their effort and their labor and compensation. Exactly. And they both got scholarships through their college career yes. and I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I mean, they, they did it all on their own. Yeah. And by the time they were seniors, they were paying for all their college and doing everything. And the other thing that I think was really interesting about it is this, is that, uh, they, they not only applied for and, and was able to do what they wanted, but we also basically said, let's give them enough money so that they can survive and do well, but still they're going to have to work 10 hours a week. Do you remember that? We would say yeah, you have to get a yeah. job. And, and they both worked through college doing yeah. something. But they yeah. always ended up working a minimum of 20 hours a week. So they were always in the plus. And but so I thought that, that was really too, positive. They were really motivated were to motivated. do well. They wanted yes. to make money and they wanted to do well in school. Yes. And, and, um, they didn't want to ask us for more and more. I mean, sure. They loved it when we took them out to dinner. They yes. loved it when we gave them, you know, gifts at Christmas. I mean, they, they liked those things, but they wanted to stand on their own in a large part. And the other thing too, that I think is really important to note too, is that we gave them a little bit each semester, you know, to, to push them over the top. But when we gave it to them, we said, okay, we're going to help you pay for this because <laughs> you need the help, but you have to, f there, there's one criteria and that is once a week, you have to go to dinner with family us as a family. Dinner. Yep. Yeah, family so, dinner. So they had to keep going to dinner. So if you're going to bribe your college student to pen, spend time with you, I just want you to know the pastor of your church has done the same thing. Use food and <laughs> use food. Use That's, food to do it. Uh, doing their laundry really wasn't a big deal but that food. didn't work as well as food was a food. great driver yeah and so, then when they were dating people it got a little expensive because they wanted to bring the person they, they were to dating bring. yeah exactly yeah, i paid for a lot of uh deadbeat boyfriends and girlfriends that didn't work out i was gonna say you paid for yeah a lot of young people that will never but hey we fed them we gave them a gift life. we blessed them maybe that will help there them in their go. future so the last thing i want to talk about money is just how it's translated so both of our older kids are married and they are both married to young adults that have excellent money management skills as well Amen. and so i feel like we're done <laughs> no. we have done we're, our we're, job no, but in in large part you raise your kids with great money management skills good emotional reactions and foundational skills of money and they're going to look for that in a spouse. And, yes. and I'm sure you want to say a few things about that as well. Well, I do. I think that having agreement in this area is really important, right? It's very important. It is. And if you don't, it's going to cause a lot of issues yeah. and a lot of problems down yeah. the road. So get agreement up front, not later. Yep, exactly. And it's fun now to see them as adults and even our 17 year old. I mean, he's got great money management skills. Um, some of the things Excellent. he's done, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, he bought his own computer and built it. I mean, he bought the parts and then he built, built it when computer. he was like 14 years, was 14 old. years old. He just worked really hard and it's great seeing him, you know, do these things. But when you raise your kids 
that way. It does. It forces you to work on your own money management skills because you want to be a good example for them. Correct. And then it translates to them. And as Doug said, I mean, it gives them so much freedom to do what they want to do. Um, our son has been married two years and he and his wife, they've saved up. They, they've been to Iceland and they just got back from Peru. I mean, they are able to go on some great adventures because they have great money management skills. Mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage encourage you wherever you're at. And if you're in debt right now, that's okay. You can start today. It's not too late to get out of it. And one thing is you can reach out to us, you know, leave, um, leave comments on uh, this YouTube episode. Number one, if you want more information about the Dave Ramsey um, program mm -hmm. that Doug talked about, because it will help you thrive in your money management life and with your money it will help you thrive you may need a little bit of time to get there but look at where you could be three years from now if you start that yes today it's never too late to start exactly and the second thing i want to say is if you live in idaho and you have a student going to college in idaho send me a comment on the youtube section so I can get a hold of you because I know of a great scholarship Idaho students can get. That's pretty easy to get. So just wanted to throw that in there after what you said, Doug. There so you go. I just want to ask you for your final comments. And then uh, why don't you ask people to subscribe to this uh, podcast? Yeah, subscribe we'll to close. this podcast. Give it a thumbs up if you're on Apple Music. Give it a five-star rating if you're on Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I think the more you interact with it, what that does is that tells the algorithm that people are interested in it and it helps push it out. So I think that Kim has uh, a tremendous amount of wisdom, a tremendous amount of maturity and experience that she can share with you that's really going to help you be a woman who thrives in your faith and your family and your work life. And uh, there's never been a time when women haven't worked, whether it be in the home or outside of the home. And you want to look back over all the work uh, that you've done in your life and you want to see it as as making a real uh, significant difference in the life of the people you love the most. It bring great value to their lives. So you want to do better in your work life. You want to do better in your family life. A lot of times it's the way we approach things. It's the way we uh, set goals. It's the way we organize ourselves that improves the quality of our family life and makes life so much more fun, enjoyable along the journey. And finally, none of this works without a, a bedrock foundational faith. So get your faith going because you need God's favor and hand working in your life. So subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to the podcasts, any place that you can get it. And you are going to love the journey that you take with Kim Peak. Thanks, hon. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.